Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 40-year-old from Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. His hockey journey has taken him to Canada, the USA, Italy, England, and Wales, a staple of the Cowichan Valley Capitals, a fan favorite of the Sheffield Steelers and Cardiff Devils, or used to be, two-time playoff and one league title as a player, as a coach, four-time conference champ and EIHL coach of the year in 14-15. And he is now the GM, head coach of the Manchester Storm. And if my math is correct, has been a head coach now for 11 pro hockey seasons. And he's only 40, folks. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan Finnerty. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you. Yeah, well, thanks for making the time for me. And uh, yeah, I guess we get into how we know each other and like you just mentioned off camera is I've had a few of your former players on. Are you there? Did you just cut out? I don't know. Is it you or me? Either way, we're good. Okay. Yeah, no, you, it looked like you cut out there a bit, but anyways, you had, uh, you, you coached Levitt, Frankie, and currently Zach Sullivan too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Frankie had a question for you. Did you hear it on the pod? Cause he said, I I he said that, he, yeah, he said you took away beers from the old boys. I heard that. And I don't, I don't remember doing it. I mean, it would have been like, I don't know. I just, it just doesn't seem like something I would have done, but I mean, well, maybe pressure I, gets pretty you know, tense at the end of those seasons. You know what though. Frankie's like, though. I mean, if Frankie, you know, if there wasn't maybe a beer for Frankie because somebody yeah, double dipped, then the whole world has to hear about it. Mm-hmm. But, Bit of a whiner, you could say, I mean, right? You know what? I think I don't know. I mean, what what year would that have been? That was the year I played in the UK. So that was fourteen fifteen when you were the you were the coach of the year that year. I said. Because that was the year you guys were ahead of us, right at the end. That was like my only year I actually played in the UK. Um, and okay. I was with Cardiff, and we all finished right around the same, but Sheffield beat us by two, I think, or three. I think they beat us by one. Okay. Right. It sucked. So, so, yeah. It was salt. So we had we had Keith and Mizey. No, Mizey wasn't there. Salt was on that team. Yeah. You know, we may have to ask those guys. Because I can't – I can't – I heard him say it. I can't for the life of me – come in and be like no more beers after wins it just doesn't seem right but if it's true then yeah i'm, I'm completely to blame <laughs> you know, i'll put my hand up i can turn back the clock um so in the uk do you still get beers after games not as much uh, i think they've kind of moved away from that the old like 
You know, when yeah. you want to get rid of the beer league, it, it's probably a good idea to get rid of the, the, the beers. <laughs> beers might be like, might be a good starting point. I don't know if we've completely figured it out, but it's on, it's on the table for discussion now, but yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still, I think there's still teams that like throw a case of beer around. You know, I like, think they should. I think that's what brings teams together. I think if the weekend's over, I think you definitely should have minimum a case of beer. If you win, that's just my thoughts on hockey. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's 25 guys on the bus, so a case of beers, you know, half one each. So, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I, we are, I think nowadays it's, we've like, even, even from back then, we've like, even the buses now, like the, the coaches, they call it, you know, they're, they're so much more advanced now. They got bridges and compartments all over the place, you know, these double decker buses. So like, I, I know our bus driver makes sure that, you know, if we have a winning weekend, the guys can, can enjoy their, their trip back on a Sunday and, we're never, we're never short anyways on, on, on our, on our bus. If, if we get a win, which is, uh, which is a little bit of incentive for the guys when you're on a Sunday night trip in Fife and you got a five hour journey back. I uh, couldn't, I couldn't more agree time. more. And I think that's the way hockey should be. Um, I think that it brings teams together too. I think if you sit on a bus with a couple beers each and you're playing cards, it's just, everybody is just having a little bit more fun than uh, if you're sitting there drinking a protein shake and foam rolling. Eh? I get it. <laughs> I'm with you on that one, and there's still that old school thought. But yeah, I know 100%, especially, you know, in the time and place, you got to let the guys run. I'm, I'm a pretty big believer in that. Um, you know, I've always, I think with, with my groups, we've always kind of had that, that, you know, we're not here to babysit. I got two kids of my own. I'm not babysitting. If you want to, you know, <laughs> you're a professional hockey player. I mean, if you want to take the risk and run the red lights and, you know, I'd imagine it's short lived. If you want to just hit the green lights hard, which I would advise that, you know, that, that's where you go you get a lot of green lights and you miss one you got to wait your turn but um yeah we had we had a lot of groups I mean my first year first year in Manchester we had a, a really good group and you know it just seemed like if they were going out it was like 18 of them going out and, oh, and, we, you, know, the and it, you know and fans don't want to hear it by or maybe supporters but every club I've ever had that every every team I've had success on I probably didn't know the half of what was going on behind the behind my back and the ones I did know I thought geez that's probably the line right there <laughs> and you know but you show up the guys work they come to work for you they play hard for you and I I, I couldn't agree more when it comes to it and um, one thing I like I this is our first time talking for the folks that don't know that but um, like when I went to Brayhead with Cardiff and Frankie and Saltz and um, like, was it, uh, Stefan Meyer and those guys were all on the team. Like you can tell when you're around the arena, you can tell when guys come out after a game, which teams are really teams, which teams, the guys really get along their family, the, the wives all getting along. Like I noticed it in a weekend in Brayhead. I was like, wow, this team, like they're, they're together, right. They were, they were all hanging out. All the wives were together. All the guys come out of the room together. Um, and you could just see everybody was happy. Everybody was having fun together. And I guess that kind of reflects on the head coach in my opinion. Yeah. I got a good story about that. Cause I, I mean, that group we had, I mean, that, that, that group we had in Glasgow, um, we had, we, I, I had four good years there. We had great guys on, on every team and just different, right? Every team's different from the last and you, people, you know, it's hard to keep the core, you know, especially if you're not at the top of the, the budget where you can just pay and pay and pay and pay to keep guys that you want. You lose guys, you know, you lose guys too within the league, especially now, you know, a guy's a great season. He's in the, he's in the window. I 
I can't keep them Sheffield or, or Cardiff or Nottingham. You know, if they want them, I, I can't, I just can't match it. I just, you know, I can't do it. So when you, when you get these groups, you're always kind of trying to replicate them, but not with the same guy, you know, you're like, well, I lost him, but I, you know, I think this is going to be a good fit. And it never works like that. Every guy now is so different. And, and the group dynamic is, is not something that you can master. You can't pinpoint it. You can't just go, Hey, I'm going to find, you know, I'm going to find person A and person B. And that worked like two years ago. Imagine, remember how good, it doesn't fucking work like that anymore. Like, yeah, you gotta get lucky. Like with recruitment in this level, you have to get so lucky because one, it's you know you want to get the best player for the money that you're paying, and then two, you want to you want to make sure that you're getting the you know more importantly the best person for the money that you're paying. And um, oh no, my daughter's just snuck up. Oh, she can say hi. hi. You want to come say hi? Yeah. We're just talking about the boys drinking some beers. What's say your hi. name? Hi. Hi. This is no, this is Novali, but Novi. We just turned four. Party. Yeah, you had a birthday party. Yeah, I I'm in Canada. Where are you? You in Manchester? Nah. No. No. <laughs> okay. okay, go find your mom. Okay. I'll try not to keep that too long. All right, hang on. I may, I, may to, I may have to take a time out. We we got the newborn, eh? So it's a little chaos here. Oh no worries. We can and always hit. Do you have to take a pause now? Um, I'll just, no, I just want to get her downstairs. Otherwise we'll just hear this. <laughs> it's all good. It's all part of the show. We don't edit anything <laughs> yeah. on this one. <laughs> it's good though. And then it gives me time to look at my notes again. Um, cause I just thought of another way. I know you, I think we played against each other. Okay. Hang on. I'm just going to take her down. Come on. Yeah. No worries. So the other way that I know Finner is um, Deeth uh, was no longer with the Cardiff Devils and um, he was looking for an equipment manager's job and I wrote the reference letter for Finner um, and he ended up hiring episode uh, 20 something Deese, um, do you did you know that I wrote the reference letter about Deese? Was that to for to us? Yeah, when he came to you guys, if you would have read it, a reference letter, I was the one that wrote it. Is that right, eh? Um, with equipment guys in the UK, you're kind of just happy to get one, so you don't dig too far into the resumes. But he was great, man. He was good for us. He brings um, a like he he chirps the boys just as much as any of the players, right? There, he, he's got a bit of an aura around him, but you know what? Like he's a goofy bastard, and but he's really, really, really good at what he does. And he's really, and he's like, we've got a really good guy now, a young kid that we've kind of molded. And, you know, I mean, if you get a bad equipment guy, you can wreck the whole group. You know, if you got a guy that's complaining and negative and like, why do I have to do this for you? And yep. If you get a bad equipment guy, man, he can, he can really disturb the whole group. And, you know, and when you, and likewise, when you get a good one, you, you, you try to keep them. But like I said, I mean, this is now in Austria and, you know, I think he could probably move on from there. Like he's, he did a great job for us and came in, filled the gap and then left us. <laughs> so I had to recruit an equipment guy and a team. So. Well, so at least uh, my rep reference letter came in handy though, if he actually used it or now, if you read it. I'll, uh, I'll try to I'll swing around, see if he even sent it across. I don't think he sent a resume over. Yeah, but, oh, geez. Uh, well, he made it sound like a big deal, but whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then the other way we know each other somewhat or have a link is we both played for the Cardiff Devils at one point. 
Yeah. You were a different era than me. Were you on the team that broke the Guinness Book of World Records thing? We did, yeah. Yeah, I was there. I was there. I went there for half a year <laughs> under Jared Adams <clears throat> and then um and then came back the second season where we um we literally won nothing but felt like we won everything, man. We went to the final. I think we tied on points and lost. I don't I can't remember if we tied for the league on points, but had one less win. We oh, lost yeah. the Challenge Cup final, we lost in the playoff final. Like it was like, but yeah. you were good all year and you were having fun yeah. all year. We were. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a lot of fun that year. That was another team. Like when I look back and now I kind of took that into my coaching, like, like even G to, to, to this day doesn't probably know half of like what we got up. But yeah. we were winning and we were just rolling. Like we, we used to go, like G knows this story. So we lived in Pont Canna. Yep. And you know the George brothers? Oh, yeah. They've been on the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. They've been everywhere. Um, <laughs> and there there was this – we all kind of lived in uh, in this uh, – my memory of – Oh, my gosh. Are you the one that they f- they switched your house around on you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They told that story on here. That was you. Eh? Yeah. I forgot who it was. That was you. <laughs> it, wasn't that, it wasn't that night, though. Um yeah, they did the whole like MTV Cribs thing, but like my upstairs was downstairs, my downstairs was upstairs, and, and then and then it stayed like that because it, there was like four of them doing moving it. So then at one point I'm like, hey, I'm actually okay with this. Like I, I don't mind this. We're just gonna have to live like, through this now. Eh? And then like Christmas was coming and family was coming. I'm like, hey, uh, you, you guys think you can maybe come help me move this back? Like it was <laughs> a week or two, but but the the story was that we we went for on a Friday night and this was when, cause we won at what, 20, I don't know, 21 or 20, 20 something games in a row. So that's like roughly 10 weeks, right. Of winning. Yeah. So we're two and a, you know, we're two and a half months on, on a run. So I can't, if it was Vother myself and maybe John Pelle, there was a little, um, a little pub called the uh, cameo club. And it was like a members only club that I, somebody got us in anyway somebody gave us some some memberships and it was like it was really really like they spoke welsh and it was like quite high end it's like an old like an old rugby hangout right like all the old rugby guys would go there and it was like it was a real classy joint um and we went there for a beer on a friday and it was like two or three of us and and then um you know we had maybe bought around each you know beer or two each and then we we shut her down and then we went, we won both games on the weekend. So we associated with beers on Friday. Well, so the next week we had, you know, four guys. And and then anyways, by the, by probably week four, we had about 15 guys, which means we were having about 15 pints, you know, like it was just like, we were, we were flying and it was like, and then we'd win again. And then it was like, you know, G would be in the room. The boys would be in like cameo Friday, book it <laughs> more and more and more and more. And then it just went on and on and on. Like it just, and then, yeah. And, we and you're just on a run and you're just boot, you're drinking on the weekends, you're winning on the weekends and the boys are just loving life. I remember we would go and we didn't even want to go because we were so afraid of, of breaking the curse because we associated the winning to going to the cameo on a Friday, Friday night. I don't know the cameo club. I don't know if that was still around when I was there. I, I but nobody lived in Pont Cana. That was just where the dentist was. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't far from there. Yeah, and that 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 story we told G and he had no idea. I mean, I mean it wasn't like it, it 
it's always sounds worse than it is, you know. Guys no, you're right though. It always does sound worse than it is because everybody's yeah. always ready to play, and like yeah. you're always yeah. in bed at a decent time yeah. when you're you. Everybody yeah. holds each other accountable. That if you were there having a few beers, you better be ready to rock, right? You're not going to be the one holding us back. Farm girl, blueberry wheat, seasonal beer, Bayfield <laughs> Brewing Company. <laughs> Shout out to the sponsors. Yeah. Yeah. It always sounds worse to like when you're telling these stories, like, you know, some guys will come have one. Some guys just showed up just to be a part of it, but it was that's what you need, right? You need the guys that don't drink and don't want to party like everybody else. You still got to show up and be part of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. So it was, that was, um, it was a lot of fun. And the George brothers, they were like pretty much on the team that year. They were when I was there, man. That's why I have them on a podcast. They went ski trips with us. They were, they were like our brothers, man. They came on the ice to celebrate with us too. They, did they ever tell the story? They went to Belfast and we gave them tracksuits. So they gave them like two tracksuits and they went to Belfast. And you know, like back then, I think you'd fly in or, you know, you flew in. Sometimes you'd fly in maybe like at one o'clock and you kind of were kicking rocks for three or four hours before you went to the game. Like you didn't check into the hotel or whatever. It was one, anyway, I, don't, I can't remember the whole, how the whole setup was, but you know, they have the, the Odyssey and they got like the, like where the, um, the hockey bar is and all that. And then they got a bowling alley. I don't know if you ever seen, there's a bowling it's alley. It's upstairs, right? Yeah. Something like that. And, um, so the George brothers were in their track suits, like full decked out team track suits, drinking beers and bowling. And there's like giants fans, like, Oh my God. The players are just That's drinking and bowling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These guys are like drinking before the game. Like what, what, <laughs> and it was like it was a George, and we we're like, what is, what is geez like, what's going on? What's going on? Like, you kidding me? And it was the George brothers, <laughs> Russian beers, <laughs> like two three o'clock on a game day, full track, full everything, looking like they're ready to go from there to the game. Uh, they they are legends of of <laughs> of hockey and Cardiff in the UK. Like they literally were part of the team when I was there, and you were playing for Cardiff. I guess that would have been like what almost five years before or something like that's wild yeah. that they they just but they are the biggest beauties i've met oh they're unreal steve was like the first guy i met bother he was working in downtown in, in car if i can't remember he was working at a clothing store and he was like the first guy i met and he was he was dressed up he, you know like he's got he's always like he's got his like nine piece suit on and he's like they look fantastic guy. yeah i was like what what is this guy and i was just kind of like and it was bother's like buddy and i was just thinking like Who's that? What's this guy's deal? And then, and then he's like over. And then you get to meet their friends. Their friends are the like boring Mike, and they all have like all, all these names. Fat and, Allen, yeah. Fat Allen, Fat Allen, who's like 130 pounds. <laughs> like it was just, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Then you get him on a dance floor too, right? You get Steve on a dance floor yeah. on a mic, and it just changes everything. Yeah, yeah. No, we had but Sunday nights. We'd always hit O'Neills after games. Yeah, that's how my Cardiff Devils career started was O'Neill's was at the start of the season and it was a great spot to hit after a game right downtown and then everybody meets there right after the game and then everybody kind of scatters from there. Yeah, there's um, S&M, I don't know if they're around, they're, they're a band and they, they used to support the guys, but they're like two guys just like, and, and they could they could literally sing any song. Like these guys could go to Vegas and 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 you like do a show there there's so literally you call out a song and they can do it you know 
That's the, that's the part about Cardiff I loved. It was, there was so much to do. Like I had been in Denmark and Sunder Yuski and there was nothing to do in Voyance, Denmark, like nothing. And then I get to Cardiff or the UK league where there's a lot of imports that are Canadian and the British guys are all like Canadians. We all have the same kind of mentality and like culture. And it was just, it was such a great way to finish my career was going to the UK and being around all that atmosphere. You did your master's too, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think um, when I called Frank the Tank to get like his review on the teams and the league and everything, I actually think he said he was going to talk to you about me when I ended up signing with Cardiff, but it was between Cardiff and Sheffield. And I think he talked to you briefly, but you guys had already given out your school deal or something. Did you have, you had school up there, right? We had school in in, in Sheffield. No, there. in Brayhead. Yeah, I think we had one. I think we only ever had one. one yeah, and I think you had given it away, and that's why we yeah. never really talked. It was never a good school deal there. It was always like, yeah, it was like an hour away. It was never like, like we and, had a great one. Consult. It was just never, yeah, it was never really that great of a deal. And it is, it does give teams a leg up, eh, when they can get players into school, because that's what recruits players, right? The guys that want to do that. Yeah. yeah, even today, I mean, the league's got a lot younger. Um, but I think guys are actually, you know, like coming over and doing a one-year thing, even in mid-20s, and just like, let's just get out of the way and then go play for three or four years, work on, work on, you know, networking back home. And, you know, yeah, I'm like, I'm a major advocate. I wish I had 20. I wish I had 20 of them. I wish I could put all my British guys, because the Brits here too, like we, you know, they, we got to get these guys in school. They can't play EIHL hockey their whole life and then go, what's next? So we got a lot of young guys and we're, we're, we're really trying to get our, our university to open up some programs and, and send our kids in. Cause you know, these, these young kids got to go to school. Like guys got to get educated. And, you you got to be ready for the next chapter, right? The shitty world when you walk into the next, you know, the next step and you're not quite sure what it is you want to do. And you're just going to, you know, dip your toe in because you quickly realize once you're not a hockey player, nobody gives a shit about you anymore. Not a shit. No, (laughs) except for me, folks, except for me and my shed. I care about all of you. (laughs) There you go. There you go. And I'll talk to every one of you. (laughs) One of my buddies that came on had some nice messages from former teammates. And he said, man, Wally, your pods like therapy for the boys. And I was like, Hey man, I'm here for the people. I'm here for you. It, yeah, because I, like I love it. it. This shit is it's, so fun. It's fun. I mean, it's fun for for coaches that can kind of just, you know, because obviously you 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 hold yourself a little. You know what I mean? You got to watch what you say, and you can't, you know. So it's kind of fun for a coach to come on and and talk about the good old days, and you know, realize that you actually are fairly normal, and you're not just a, you know, you're not just, you're not yeah, you're not just the dickhead coach now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Taking away day. beers on Frankie. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think every coach kind of walks in and goes, fuck, what people think of me is so far from who I am and your wife, you know, and your family. And yeah, and you, but I mean, they see you, they get a short window and they see you, you know, other teams hate you because you, you're the opposing coach. And I've been in the league for so long that, you know, the guys remember when I played. And so, yeah, yeah, it's funny that you, you kind of meet these guys and they just fucking hate you. And you're like, I, I don't know you. Yeah. Like, I don't know why you're so mad at me. You know, why do you hate me so much? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it, it's, um, it, I mean, the elite league's awesome. The fans are, are great. Like, you know, like it, I just don't think there's another league in the world where there's so much passion for the players. Like, like for the players, it's like an individual, not just like, not just on ice. Like they actually give a shit about your family and they give a shit about like your future. And, 
You know what I mean? Like you don't get that everywhere. You're just, you go to Slovakia and they just want to make sure that you play your best. If you don't, then they tell you to fuck off and they don't give a shit about it. You know, and, and a lot of them, the meat market here, the UK, like the, the real, like the fans get into it. They want to know everything about you. They want to know where you're from, you know, what your mom and dad are, you know, like they, they just, they're so entwined in, in, in like your life for that short little span. And then if you are lucky enough to go back to good organizations, it just grows and grows and grows. I, I can't believe I haven't heard that on this podcast yet, but that is so well put is that is exactly how it was. It was, well, I was in Germany for six years and like, you might have like a couple that's a sponsor. That's your friends, but like the fans aren't your friends. They're not, they don't care about you. They're going to whistle at you as soon as you turn the puck over and they're going to be screaming. And like, if you'd have a few bad games and the team's losing, you'd see some fans and they'd look at you. Their face would be bright red. Like, and you could tell they, they, they almost hated you because you were losing. And, um, then you come to Cardiff and like you're having a kid and they want to know everything about how it went. They're asking your wife, they're asking, you know, your parents come over and they're on the back of the fan bus with the fans and they get to know everybody and they stay in contact for months later. Right. Like it was, it was a completely different experience. And I think it's the culture, the, and the language barrier too helps, but just the way the fans are in the UK is definitely a, it's a, gem of a league to play in and it changed my life and I guess that's why you have a podcast right is because people do care and when I start talking to people in my shed all of a sudden I'm the number one podcast in the UK that doesn't make any sense (laughs) (laughs) yeah I know you're doing you're killing it it's awesome it's fun to I mean I've I've listened to you know you kind of tune in and listen to like especially guys that I've coached and guys that I know is quite a few I didn't realize how many you've done yeah holy but, um, uh, I'm I'm only going to pick up speed too. I feel like I've yeah. been a little bit lazy. I feel like I can get creative and slip in a few more because everybody wants to come on. <laughs> I feel like there's, I feel like there's some, some guys out there that should be sponsoring here. Some UK companies that will want to get involved. You would think so folks. Um, uh, the demographic is about 28 to 44 year old males. And there's a lot of them listening folks and 60% in the UK, I think. And, uh, it's only been listened to in 40 countries, though, so I'm sure it wouldn't get your business out there at all. Right, Bayfield Brewing Company? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, we haven't even got into your career, so this is going to be tough. We're going to skip a bunch of stuff, but um, what I'm curious is because you're an advocate on school. You played 20 games in the WHL after Lethbridge, which I wanted to get into, but whatever. We don't have that much time. Okay, so you gave up your scholarship opportunities. You by the looks of things, you played about 20 games and then you just dominated like junior tier two, junior a, and those guys would have got scholarships, but I guess you had already played a bit. Yeah. So I kind of, kind of learned the hard way. So, I mean, you grew up in Lethbridge. So it was like Lethbridge, Hurricanes, Medicine, and Tigers. And, and the junior a guys were kind of, it just, it was unheard of to go to junior a. I mean, it was not ever, ever whispered that you would go to junior a and junior a almost meant it was almost like you, you were second, right? It was like second fiddle. Like you didn't, I don't want to play junior A hockey and the Alberta junior league back then was very, it was not great. Right. The B, the BC junior was always the, the, the premier one and the Alberta junior was a little bit bushly. And then so there was Saskatchewan like, too, right? Yeah. And then Saskia next door, which was, you know, just the same thing, just a little bit colder. So I, yeah. And, and, but looking back, it was one of my biggest regrets, right? I wish I would have just gone to the BC junior, done my thing, got a scholarship. I mean, but I, I, 
and then I um but I didn't really develop as like a player like I was just small didn't skate that well didn't do really anything that well and and a really really average player till I was about like 19 and then I I learned how to skate I don't know like I, I, 18, 19, I, I kind of did some, I did that, actually, I did that skating treadmill that really worked for me ah. in that Lindsay Park, and I did that, yeah. I don't like it, yeah, but it, it actually helped me, it helped me, like, it helped me with, like, foot speed, right, because I, like, I had a good stride, but I didn't have foot speed, and then I kind of got, anyway, so my, my last two years in junior, but I'd already blown my, my eligibility, but I, I landed in some really good spots, and, like, I played for this, this, in Surrey, my last year, I, I had an opportunity to go play for the Hurricanes, and I was captain in Surrey and Mark Hollick was the coach. And I, I love, I love playing for him. The owner was a guy from California named Bruce Riley. And he was, he treated us like gold. Like, I mean, unreal. And I just, I just couldn't leave. And I didn't really know what, if I was going to go like Canadian university or if I was going to go pro, I was just kind of, kind of just trying to get, you know, just keep playing and winning and, and doing my thing. And I, I was, getting taken care of really really you know the first time you start kind of getting taken care of as a hockey player it feels good right and you're only 19 20 but and um and then there was I, I I did my SATs because there was some talk about eliminating games if you were under 18 you know like if you if you played when you were 16 there's there was some talk at the NCAA trying to eliminate if you played under 50 games so I was talking to a lot of schools and they made me do my SATs in case this rule came in in hindsight, I probably should have redshirted now. I should have. I should have just redshirted. Sat out a year and got the school. Yeah, because I mean, I was. I did. I mean, like I was top five or I don't know, whatever in the you know scored forty goals. Like everybody in, gets big scholarship. It was like you know guys that are like on your third line going full rides, and you're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. And when I saw that, and I saw you'd given up your eligibility, I was like, geez, like look at the numbers he's putting up. Like he would have been going anywhere, but. You know, because I uh, am, uh, you know, the guy with the podcast in my shed, I'm going to give you why that happened. Player review time, okay? Yeah. I've never seen you play hockey before, but when you were younger, you weren't uh, big enough and tough enough to play the role you ended up playing. Um, you had to grow into getting bigger and stronger, and you ended up being a guy that could fight, score, and you were just a leader. You did everything the team wanted, but you weren't big enough to do that until you were 19. So you'd already given up your eligibility. Then you grow into the player you become in pro, and it's too late because of that, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I went from tier two, and then I, I, I went to Peoria on the coast. Um, I thought I was just going to go to camp there and then see maybe then I'll go back and play university hockey and stayed there and, and then, um, stayed there for two years. And then that was it. Right. I, I went in, I, you know, my, my first year we were with St. Louis, uh, that was the affiliate team in Worcester. And there was a ton of guys going up and down, up and down and, and yeah. And well, to get of, from junior A to right to the coast, yeah. like that's, that's showing you're, you're passing a lot of guys that were playing major junior. Right. Yeah. You remember, remember Randy Rowe, you remember him? Anyway. Like leading scorer in like the O, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Yes. Rosie. So I came from tier two and Rosie came from Belleville where he just scored 60 plus goals. And, um, and we were like, we were like the, the number 10, like that. We, he, it was me one day, it was him the other day, but, but because I would fight, I was more applicable to that role. And Rosie took a little longer. Now Rosie went on and, and did his thing and climbed, you know, but Rosie was more of a, a top six guy you know like he needed to play yeah. play to yeah. get him the puck sitting as a 10th forward wasn't exactly his you know he didn't he got minimal minutes and didn't do a lot with it so it took took us both a little while to get going and obviously our careers just kind of 
you know, we, we took off, we all spent a couple of years in, in Peoria and then, um, and then we just left there um, yeah. and, and kind of went our own way. I saw your second year was even better than your first, but I had it written down here. Um, you were getting like, that's why I have my player review is you were, you, you rookie year, like you said, you're easing into it. You're getting into the pro game, but then your second year, you're scoring goals. You're getting penalty minutes. So I guess you're fighting. And then, so you just start working your way up the lineup, right? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I was tough by association for, for that level. I mean, we had Jeremy Oblonsky, Trevor Gillies, uh, Brad Both, Trevor Baker, Anthony Belza, if you look him up. I mean, we had like, we had like eight legit heavies. I this mean, was like, in the coast. This was in the coast. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but the problem, like, that's why my penalty minutes were so high is that I was like, I was like the three-legged dog to the other guys. They're like, well, I'm not going to fucking fight that guy. I'm like, who else? Yeah, I'll, I'll get my points off that guy. <laughs> so I'm like, guys are like, I got like, I remember like Terry Ryan. And I'm like, why the fuck you guys fucking fight the heavies? Nine yeah. of them over there. And then sure enough, here you go. Like back then it was a little bit like the rodeo. Like if, if they're like, they don't ask you, they're like, hey, we're going to go. And you're like, you know. and then all of a sudden you're going and you better be ready <laughs> yeah. to go. Even if you didn't want to. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I ended up like, I was like, there's so many tough guys, but guys are just don't want to have anything to do with them, but they know they need to do something to stay on the team. So they just, so they got to fight someone. Yeah. yeah. I remember being very selective when I chose a guy in the AHL. Yeah. yeah, But yeah, no, it was, um, it was a great experience. And then, yeah. And then. Um, So you were there, you were with Peoria and that's the St. Louis organization for two years, but then you leave there and head to the central hockey league and San Angelo saints. Yeah. So that, that's like kind of the one, I mean, it was an awesome year. Again, it was the first year I was captain in, in, in pro. Um, we were kind of like dejected because we had really good teams in Peoria, but there's no call-ups. I mean, nobody got called up. I mean, their Johnstown guys had like, you know, 95 free agent call-ups and we had like four. So everybody was kind of pissed off and, you know, I mean, there's probably, probably could go into like, you know, at, at the East coast league level, there's coaches that are there for themselves. And then there's coaches that are there for the boys that want to get them up. There is, it is amazing. And I like, I know when I was in the coast, um, not Clancy, the guy I always talk about, but the other guy, he held people back that were on East coast deals that could have got called up to AHL places because he needed them. And like, these are guys that this is their professional career. They're working their whole lives yeah. to get that <laughs> chance in the AHL and you're not giving it to him. Yeah. I thought that was a big load of horse manure. We had one, we had one, uh, it's a great story. Trevor Gillies, Trevor Gillies. We picked him up off uh, waivers. I know him and his younger brother. They're from Cambridge. Yeah, right? I, I played with Nate and Sheffield. So we play, I played both the Gillies, I guess, but, we we pick we pick Trevor up off waivers and it, it, everybody knows Trevor Gillies now. And my roommate was a guy named Brett DeCecco. Um, if you want to look him up, he was like another 58 WHL goal guy, like stud, six rounder to Buffalo. Um, and Czech's got a concussion, so he was out. Trevor Trevor's agent said, "Hey, like phoned him one day and said, like what what's going on?" And he's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Can't remember." somebody's trying to call you up. I can't remember who it was. Springfield. Okay. And he's like, I have no idea. What do you mean? And anyway, so Trevor's like, I, I don't know. He's like, well, they need a fucking heavy. They need you like tonight. Like what, like, what are you hurt? And then he's like, no, I'm fine. He's like, well, your coach is saying you're hurt. So he goes into, into the coach's office and Gillies is pretty intimidating. Yeah. Especially yep. when he's heated. 
anyways they get into like this this fuck you um he basically says hey if you go don't come back well guess what Gillies never came back to the coast again for like 15 years till he went to Charleston and and my buddy my buddy DeCheco my roommate picks him up drives him to Chicago and he's like hey if you make it you better remember me <laughs> he actually went all the way to the Islanders man his trajectory just went Oof. and that, and his and coach would have shut the whole thing down <clears throat> oh yeah you wouldn't have like you know, if he, if he would have been like, oh, okay, I'll wait for the next one or when it's a better, you know, when it's better suited for you, um, you know, in Peoria. But so, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, I think that story turned a lot of guys away from, from staying there because you go to the coast to get to the American Lake. That's it. You don't, that's it. That's all you that's want. That's the only, yeah. You just want your chance. And, and then um, my, we had an old guy named Derek Booth on the team and Ray Edwards, Ray Edwards is assistant with, uh, you know, do you know Eddie? I don't think so. No, he's assistant with the Flames right now. Um, coach San Antonio for years. Another awesome coach. He got this job in San Angelo, Texas in the Central League. Um, and I remember, like, I will never play in the Central League. I'll never play for the United League. I had no chance. No, no, no. I also said that about the EIHL, too. And Me too. Um, me too. Yeah. And then, um, anyways, um, he got us to go there. I think we went to camp in Milwaukee. Uh, Chris Menard was there. So it was me and Minnie. We lived, like, next to each other played on the same line that year and it was awesome we had a great experience it didn't we didn't get up neither of us got to the american league we all thought we were um and we had it yeah we did we had this like low budget team in the middle of you know i don't know where it is west texas i mean great golf courses great coach old school like rodeo um like uh arena and it was like honestly man it was like you live in this is tech this is the real texas like you have to take like 15 interstates off the you know the one to get here like there's i've you know, never like, been out there i can't even really it picture it other than awesome man. it was awesome yeah we lo- i loved it we you know got taken care of well got you know got pr- paid pretty well um and yeah we but we went there for a year and, and then Minnie went to alaska and i went to victoria um which was a mistake looking back but it was like I, had to go back to like my hometown kind of thing because you had the option that's what i was curious about you went to the central league for one year and then you still do play two more seasons in the coast coast which is victoria so that's coming back kind of home so you're how close you to home there so so the how that worked out is i i kind of like signed a deal i mean that that year we that was the expansion year for victoria um, and of course I played in couch and which is on Vancouver Island. So I was like, I love Vancouver Island. I ended and up that's buying... where Chris Frank played too, right? Yeah. 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 So I ended up, I love the Island. I was always going to get back. I, I bought, I think I bought my first house there like when I was like 23 or four and I rented it out for years, but I played, I played in Vic and it was an expansion team. That was the first year in the East coast league. We, we, um, our, my coach was Brian Maxwell, who used to coach the Hurricanes, and we had a long history from Lethbridge. And uh, it, at Christmas time, he gave me this offer. He said, hey, I want you to come play, you know, and this is what we can afford to pay, yada, yada, which was like double my salary. It was ridiculous. It was crazy. Anywho, it was the biggest gong show you could imagine, man. Like, we, we, like, we didn't even have enough guys for training camp. We lost – I mean, I, I've got – I went from, like, losing 20 – setting a record for most losses to setting a record for most wins like it was our arena that they built was like we showed up and like the um just the outside structure was done 
like there's nothing and we're like three weeks away from skating and they're like yeah no no we got some guys coming in and you know we're, we're gonna work around the clock and you're like anyways it took another two years for them to build that <laughs> so we ended up playing so we lived in in like downtown uh, in these apartments next to what, what it should have been our arena but played at the other end of the city in the junior a arena so it was like an hour commute every day they just weren't we, ready at all no no and we were awful we so we're like we're in victoria like we are in one of the greatest cities in the world we can't apparently can't recruit anybody to come play for us we were pulling guys like had been retired that hadn't even played at this level seven years ago and we're putting them in the like it was just it was chaos and it was the year of the lockout so then we brought like purinton in we brought we had like this mark smith who used to play for the san jose sharks little guy um and we had we had like a lot of tough guys and yeah it was just like it was play like planes, trains, and automobiles, man. It was it was nuts. Like the it, travel was crazy. I find it interesting in the coast and stuff. Some of the stories that are out there is like you see that that Netflix documentary about the trashers. Like there was a lot of teams that had some wild stuff oh, going on. <laughs> you could make one about almost like a lot of them just in their own way. I mean, like like the the whole decision making that that season, like it never surrounded like what was best for the team. It was always like, what's easiest. We, we had like, we had, a, we hubbed in Vegas for like 12 days and we'd like play Vegas and then just like dart into like California and play like San Diego. And, but, and you're like, Oh, we didn't really get the results on this swing. <laughs> I, I can't put my finger on it. I'm not That's sure like, why, but we're just not yeah. getting the wins. Hazy yeah. sunset. Yeah. You know, it was just like crazy, crazy guys would blow their per diem in the first day. On the oh, road. and then they're yeah. screwed, eh? Because you're not making yeah. enough, and they're waiting. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it was like, yeah. And then, uh, and then from there, I went to um, to South Carolina. So um, you were living in pretty good town or cities or towns those two years though. There at the end, I guess, because um, <laughs> South Carolina, the Stingrays, that's a pretty nice spot. I played against them. That's a nice barn too. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, my roommate, like the guy that was um, staying with me is Robin Gomez. Remember him? No. Big tough guy. He, he'd been playing in South Carolina <clears throat> and um, I, I, after the season in Vic, I'm like, I can't, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like the same thing's going on here. Like I can't come back, you know, like I, this is just, you know, and they ended up getting better and better and better and better, but it was anyway. So I got a trade over to South Carolina uh, I don't even know how I got traded. Like, I don't even know what I didn't, I don't, I thought it was like a one-year contract, but I, whatever. And uh, yeah, so I got traded to South Carolina and spent a year there and it was awesome. There's like great coach and Jared uh, Fitzsimmons, Jared Bednar was our assistant coach who's in Colorado. Yeah. And he had played there at one point as a player with uh, episode oh. three, Greg Schmidt. Yeah. Bednar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember Schmidt. Yeah, I remember the name. Yeah, they were before our time. So I was there for one year, and that was always going to be my last year. And and then I was going to try Europe, and I was just going to go to Europe for a year and call it a day. So then, how does that work then? Because I I understand why you go. Like you've been in North, you've been playing pro now five years. Um, you're a hockey player. You want to be a hockey player. You're a hockey guy. You're the same as me. You want to keep doing it. That's what you want to do at least for a year, right? So you go to. Italy how does that deal all happen well, how, do, how do you get there because well, you're in Italy well, too for Italy too so turn called arrow yeah. so I was in the summer I'm like I didn't want to go to, the, to Britain I was like I had offers to go there like you know 
all over the place. And I'm like, nope. Then I was like, well, actually, I'm not really that attractive to European teams because, like, when I got like 200 penalty minutes, and you know, I'm not like the just European really, guy. Yeah, I didn't really get that feel. So I was like, well, whatever. I don't want to go here. And I'm like, and then this like Italian second league came in, but they had like I, I think I had an offer from FASA, and then it was like 15,000 or 10,000 euros more to go to the second league. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'll, I'll go to the second league. How bad could it be? Yeah. <laughs> and then I got there, and I'm like. Oh man, did I make a mistake? Like, what am I doing here? I mean, the the, the town was awesome. It was beautiful. Um, Are you in like the Alps? Yeah, like northern, like just north of Bolzano. So I, you're. Yeah, yeah, I know it that it, well. It was awesome, man. It was like that. I, you know, what I went back about six years later on a scouting trip there, just went and watched like some of the Italian when I was coaching in Sheffield. Um, six years or whatever, and you. I was so miserable there that I didn't even realize how nice it was. And it was actually like, when I got there, I'm like, Oh my God. Like when I went back again, you know, and I'm, I'm not playing here. I'm outside of my own head. Yes. And I was like, it's crazy how, how you can get so narrow minded. Right. And not even fucking see like where you're at. And then when I went back there, I'm like, Oh my God, like this place is like, it, it, it might be the most beautiful place I've ever been. I always tell my wife, I'm like, I have to take you here. because It's crazy. But I also fucking hated every second that I was here. <laughs> but um, yeah, when you're a hockey player though, and like hockey's not going good, and like I remember going to Germany, and like now when you look back on it, you're like, God, I wish we could go on that vacation again or this vacation again, and you're not just thinking about the season or what's coming and what's yeah. happened, and you're like the things you get to see and do over there, and then yeah, now that you yeah. can appreciate it, you you don't get to see it anymore. When it's gone, yeah, you're kind of like, man, I can't believe how miserable I was because I had to go do that, or they made me go to do this, or I, I you know, yeah. lost. Because I, I had to go do some promotional thing for someone, yeah, yeah. and you're like, look at how much stuff you do in a day in the real world, guys, yeah, hockey exactly. players, active players. If you don't think you can go do that, you're a lazy punk. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. So yeah. So then I got the call to go to Sheffield. I think Simsy phoned me and he's like, Hey, like what's your deal. And then it was so weird. Cause like, it's just so backwards inside of those leagues. Right. They have like, um, they got like a, a board of directors, which is like 10 guys in this, in this city. Right. And all 10 of them can speak English until it's time that you have to go and And in, in the translation, the English translation of what they call themselves was the foreskin like the foreskin <laughs> so you always had to go like fuck i gotta see the foreskin today and it That's was like brass the brass yeah, is the foreskin. it was like you would sit at the you know they'd be in a horseshoe and you'd sit at the end of the table and the guy to your left who would basically start the meeting and he would tell you in english what's going on and then they'd be like okay well you take uh, lots of penalties and then they just go and talk to each other and then would fucking go around the horseshoe and come back and you'd say uh you must take less penalties and you're like okay all right. And then uh, next topic. Okay. <laughs> and it just goes around and around and around and around. Oh. And it, it lasts like for 45 minutes. And you're like, okay. Um, we had an American goalie. And he said, like, when he went in, like, some of them got up and in their seats and were like going like this and five hole. <laughs> and he's like, uh, five, five, five hole, the shoulder. Okay. Yeah. And you want me to like, stop you those ones? <laughs> you, make, you make more saves. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And he said, like, but um, but yeah, so they had this backwards deal. Like I had to, I had to play out like the weekend or two weeks or something like that, and I couldn't take a penalty. If I took a penalty, then it like they they the fee would go up. So I I played. I never got more hurt in my life because I was so afraid of fucking taking a penalty. And like, 
in that league, you like the AHL gets a bad rap sometimes for the refing. I mean, this oh. is like this, this, they're like looking for the imports. They fucking hate the imports. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and that, that, you know, yeah. The, I guess the second league, Italy, something different. But like in Germany, man, there were refs that were so arrogant and so bad. <laughs> but then if you ever looked at them, like you just made a bad call and they knew they did, but they're so arrogant, they, they just give you a 10. Just send yeah, in yeah. the box for 10. They just 10 you up right there. <laughs> Just dine you right up, yeah, yeah. So I remember, like, I remember, like, I got the chef going, like, I had so many injuries because I just got hit. Like, I just literally just like didn't do anything. You know, you can't, you play that way. That's you're getting game. hit in the second league. And yeah, the league. yeah. The little I'm Italian boys bullied. are running amok with like you. getting bullied out there. I couldn't take a penalty, so I was just like, oh, <laughs> just gone. Oh, it was awful. But and then, yeah, and then that's where the UK started. Well, and I could see how you, like, I've never seen you play, but just from my podcast player review is I think the, the UK league is your honey hole. That's where your style of play is perfect. You, you can fight, you can score, you can, you know, you can, you do it all. And that's exactly what the UK fans coaches want. Like it was, it was like North American hockey, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was, and it, like I said, I was so impressed with, with everything. I mean, I was thankful to get out of Italy and then I got to Sheffield, this beautiful arena. It, it was nothing like it looks now too. They, they put a lot of money into it recently. Yeah. And, and then we had such a good group of guys there, you know, like the, the British contingency who, who kind of ran it, you know, Mark Thomas, Phillips, who's still there, Jono and Huey. And yeah. We, um, the first year there, we, we lost, I think we lost to go to the playoff final in a shootout, like to Nottingham, like in a shootout. A shootout. <laughs> to go yeah so I was like and then um and then the next year I think we won the playoffs and then yeah we we had we had some some really good years and some good guys that's where Talbot McGuee and all these guys kind of came into it yeah McGuee was is a dandy too that guy seems like a good time I've never hung out with him other than for a podcast though oh man the stories for him yeah there's tons yeah well, there, there's stories about you too <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine so yeah but anyways moving on um so i'm on the wrong page now we're in sheffield now and uh there were some uh expectations on you guys back then because like that's when sheffield is like the the big dogs right and they're winning every year and how was that pressure yeah i mean it was before social media so that that's nice now knowing what we know now you know everything there but yeah i mean that was like your fan form pressure you know, like they had everything and, and, um, but yeah, I know they, it, it just, yeah, you were just expected to win and like you were expected to win in a, in a certain fashion, you know, like we, we got, we were winning games and we were still getting booed because we're boring, you know, like it was just nuts. And, and then the, the rivalry back then with Nottingham was like the real rivalry. It was, it was intense, man. Your crowds went from like 3000 to like, like it was, it was wild. Um, and uh, and then like both teams always had fighters, and there's always like middleweights, and there it was it was like the level of that game compared to like when you came into anywhere else, <laughs> yeah, Edinburgh or anywhere really. It was just it was crazy, like it was just next level. And so who are, who are you fighting then? Because uh, you put up some pally minutes. Any memorable fights you got? Um, I yeah, like we I used to always fight uh, Bruce, this guy named Bruce Richardson. 
who played for for a long long time i always found it interesting when guys fight each other repetitively like in different leagues on different teams but it always seems to be those two going and sometimes you have a good relationship and you're like hey you ready to do it again or how what was your relationship did you hate the guy or were you okay oh he was kind of the same kind of player as me and he played for nottingham and like we he like we played him like the first game and he like he was actually he was an older guy um and he was small he was a small guy like he wasn't very big but he, he was tough and he just yeah like he he came to nottingham and they hated me in nottingham so he was like i'll fight him and then i think he said it as something and then it was like well i guess i gotta follow through and then of course i heard like we're playing sheffield like hey what's this guy's deal like, i don't know but he wants to fight i'm like oh great First shift, I, first shift, our coach starts me. He's starting, and I'm like, this guy's got like, he's like, honestly, his fucking eyes are bloodshot. He's foaming from the mouth. He's like, we go and use French, and and I'm like, fuck. And I remember circling back, like, I better get mad here because this guy's this guy's pretty pretty intense. Yeah, then, when uh, when there's no reason to be mad at someone, it's be hard to fight, right? Like I, the only fights I ever got into in hockey are like the passionate ones that like it just kind of happened. But yeah, 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 those are the yeah, yeah. So that was fun. Anyway, so we 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 fought each other all the time, and then I remember now we're like we're buddies. Like we we talk, I talk to him all the time. Uh, I ended up having a beer with him one night, nodding him like just randomly, like you know, like. But I remember the after the last time we fought, we kind of looked over at each other in a pele box and just kind of went. Like we're done, you know. Like enough. Enough. Then, yeah, like enough. We're done. This is enough of this shit. But yeah, he he was um, and he he coaches in the queue right now. He ended up coaching a bit over here. Yeah, Bruce Richardson. He's got an unreal American League career. Awesome, awesome. Just like you'd have him on every team. You'd have ten Bruce Richardsons on every team. Yeah, it's interesting. The hockey guys are just hockey guys, and that's why I'm curious when like they're middleweights that would just fight each other and they knew that's their role and that's what they do in hockey and they had respect, right? And there was it wasn't like a hatred. They were just doing their jobs, right? Yeah, I mean back then, like we had the real heavyweights. I mean, like we're sitting here talking about fighting biker, but we had like we had like some big heavyweights like Newcastle, they would have they would have like every tough guy you could imagine. And they were they were awful to play. Awful. Like they were like the equivalent to like the wheeling nailers when I was in Peoria. Like Wheeling had like nine just meatheads. And you didn't even want you just wanted to like beat him in overtime and then get the fuck off the ice. Before, you don't you know want to, I mean? you don't want to get up by a couple goals. No. <laughs> like if the if there's an empty net, you just want to ice it. Ice yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. Um it's interesting how the game's changed and you've been through it even more than me because you were part of the game before I was and uh, you're still in it so you've seen the game change a lot eh yeah I mean I, I still like I still like having tough teams like I still like it not necessarily fighting I mean especially tough. in your barn yeah we still like to play heavy and you know especially in our, our little tiny right but yeah no I mean it, it's definitely changed I mean it's a puck possession game it's a skaters game now you can't can't be slow and, and effective anymore um, you know, everybody, everybody can make plays and demon now, you know, can make plays under pressure and, you know, like just, just things that, you know, back in our day, it was just demon go back and hard rim pucks or throw it off the glass and out, you know, so it is, um, it, it's definitely changed, you know, it, there's a lot more skill and, and the young kids coming up are, are, are ultra talented, um, you know, and the old guys just got the good hockey brains, you know, I think that I, I, there, there may be more skill and less brains, I think. Some days I, I find now. Um, no, I agree though, because you watch the NHL some nights, and 
you'll see a guy make an eight million, like make a turnover you wouldn't even see in the UK league, but they have so much high end skill that they're willing to let the guy get by, right? Yeah. You gotta give him a little freedom to do what he does, and sometimes it, it, it don't go well. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean it obviously we're still different. Like you said, our ring's pretty tiny and small. So we, we like to, you know, like we still like to play pretty heavy and, and get on checks and turn box. There's no real, real skill within our rank. The skill is learning how to play in our rank and, and it's tough for opposing teams. Um, so, yeah, so it's, uh, but then it's also like difficult because then you got to take your game to the big guys, you know, you got to go into like the big ranks. Was Guilford, was Guilford in the league when you were here? No, but um, I was in the big blue tent, so I okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. So when I was in Cardiff, we were still playing in basically the same rink you are, and um, I grew up playing in a rink like that. So for me, it felt great because I not much of a skater at that point in my career with my bad knee. I <laughs> I liked the small ice, and I I liked just knowing where to be and where it was going to come off the wall than having to skate there like in Nottingham or Sheffield. That yeah, those yeah, games yeah. That, those games sucked. They're hard. Yeah, and it, it's hard, for, hard wow. for guys to go from this. It's like, you know, training to be a sprinter and then getting told to run a marathon like the next night, you know, like it, it's tough. It, it takes some time to adjust. We're learning that right now. You know, like our, we're, our guys are like, geez, I'm like, I'm, I'm getting used to here. And then all of a sudden I go over there and I'm like, I'm like, my my timing my everything's off you know when you it affects the team you want to build right because you're going to play half your games at home but then you're going to play half the games where you you play the big ice teams and then they got d-men that are just gonna like you dump it in and in your rink you can dump it in and go get it and Mm -hmm. there you dump it in and you don't see it again for another two minutes (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly it's like they get back they get it and they're in your zone right away and you're like well, because the fast D-man just picks it up and skates yeah. around your four checker and then there's no F2 because it's too far away. And then you're just like, gosh, this game yeah. sucks. Yeah, <laughs> you're just angling, angling, angling all the time. But then, yeah, but then it's it's a challenge. But like, you you know, you you know what I'm talking about because you did it. You played in the smaller rink and then had to go and play in the big rink. And you're like, man, did I even, am I, what kind of shape am I in? I remember like thinking like, I'm dying. Like, yeah. how hot is it? I remember, like, every time I went to Nottingham early, I'm like, how fucking hot is it here? And they're like, no, it's the same temperature. I'm like, fuck. Like no, there's no way it's the same temperature. <laughs> Zero chance it's the same temperature. <laughs> that rig is warm. So is Sheffield. Yeah. Sheffield. The sweat doesn't even feel natural when you're that warm already, and then you start sweating. It's not right. Yeah. Did you did you win over here? Did you guys win it? Like, Just the win? Challenge Cup. The Challenge Cup, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's like you uh, – how drunk do you get on the ice? Do you guys drink and drink on the ice? Uh, well, I would say it, it carried on for a while. Um, Cardiff Devils aren't allowed back in a certain hotel in Sheffield. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't know what hotel that was. I know we had a great time um, <clears throat> and we had fun. I remember like every time we won the, the playoffs because they, they bring like you have to stay on the ice for quite a while, right? to do all this stuff but they load the booze out so you're so dehydrated from playing and then you're just replenishing with booze well we like, lost 11-1 on friday right so we won on a wednesday we lost 11-1 on the friday or we won on a tuesday or when yeah it was during the week and then we played sheffield again uh, a few days later and they beat yeah. us 11 to 1 you know what i think i was at that game you guys won in sheffield right two to one mm-hmm. 
Um, that was the new owners, the, all the buses yeah. came and it was a big deal. And then we played them again and you would have probably watched the league game because we're battling for the trophy, the three teams, you guys. Right. I, think, I think I came to the challenge cup game. I don't think we were playing. I was coaching in Glasgow probably then. And I, yeah, I we lost 11 one though. Yeah. And then they ended up winning the league, um, by two points or one, yeah. like in your case, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, we lost, we, lost, we lost to Edinburgh, uh, in Edinburgh, like two one. Yeah, and I team. actually I think it was Frankie was talking about that where the goalie just stood his head. But you'd have those nights at Edinburgh where as soon as the goalie starts making saves, you're like, "Come on, it's not one of those nights, right?" Because you go there and you're like, "This is going to be a great night. We're going to cruise around. We're going to score some goals." And then the goalie starts stopping pucks, and you're playing for a league title, and you're like, "Good gosh, not tonight." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had that night. I mean, I, I don't even know. I remember, like, on the bench, you're like, even when there was, like, you're down 2-1 or whatever, and you're like, it's five minutes left in the third, you're like, we'll find a way. We always find a way. And it's like, oh, my God, backdoor miss, backdoor save, backdoor. And you're like, now there's 60 seconds. You're like, seriously? You know, and it's just, like, guys now are starting to tense up. Because we knew. We knew if we lost, that was it. Like, we needed help, and the help wasn't coming. Um, and then we had to, because then there was, um, there was two teams that made the champions league that year. So once we lost that, we still had to fight you guys to stay above you to get into the champions league the next year. And we had to win away in Fife, which was always hard in, in Glasgow. Uh, and we I'm did pretty, that. Yeah. And that, yeah, no, I, yeah. It's all coming it, back. It's all coming back. And, um, yeah, that was basically my last year of hockey. And then the next year I started out and then hurt my knee. Then I became a pregame speaker. Um, actually been in the Manchester arena before um, in the bathroom, in the away room for over an hour, naked, covered in dirt, ready to do a pregame speech because the glass broke. But yeah, so <laughs> it was a strange night. Strange night, but the boys won. <laughs> no, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's uh, old Ultron. Well, you got to try and help the boys win, even if you can't play, right? um but okay so we kind of skipped a bunch of stuff but i just had a curious question after sheffield and you did really well for two and a half years the next year before you go to cardiff you started with the bloomington prairie thunder why was that why was that uh contract so i i left sheffield my third year and i wanted to make a certain amount of money um and it wasn't coming so i thought i'll hold out and didn't they didn't, they didn't, and they then didn't he, he ended up with the Bloomington play, Prairie. Thunder. Yeah. And then I followed my buddy Gomez over there. And the, the ironic thing was I knew I was only going to be there short term was um, Jared Scaldi, the new coach of them was the coach there. Oh, okay. So you played so, for him. So I left Scalds to go to Cardiff. And that's what I said. I'm like, how ironic. Hey, eh? now. Yeah. <laughs> you're here. It's um, quite the web of hockey. I tell you, when you start yeah. talking to people in your shed, it's very weird how many people know each other that you didn't realize. Navigating lieutenant. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, um, I went there and then Franny called me. I mean, I knew I was going to go back to the UK. It was just kind of a matter of when and And, where. um, Yeah. And where, like by now, now I know the league, you know, so now I know the spots to go. And like, I think I, I was going to potentially, I was, I mean, Nottingham were, were talking to me early and I was like, and then, you know, that was like, and then Franny called me. And I knew Brad Both. I played with Bother in Peoria, and and uh, he called me, and 
he got us over there for yeah pretty much since november i think or december i came over and then played that and then came back the following yeah and then you become the captain and that's probably like when you start kind of going towards becoming a player coach eventually is when you yeah. become captain in that league right but <laughs> yeah so i think the how that worked out is Vother was captain and um and he was getting like like he, the way he played, he was getting like suspended and, and like, you know what I mean? It was just like a lot, like he didn't have the best rapport with the refs. <laughs> he was like, you know what, like this, this, like it's not worth you going and screaming as a captain at the ref and then getting a two or a 10 or a, you know? And um, so then they gave it to Richie and I think Richie was still really, really young. And then the following year, G was like, I just want somebody who will just like, just, you know, keep accountability, you know, like make sure like, I don't want just a quiet guy. I just want somebody that's like comfortable enough to just, you know, like we want to have a bit of that fuck you attitude. And I want you to kind of be an extension of me. And, and, you know, and I think he just saw like, maybe, you know, this is a, like, this is a guy who'll stand up and he'll shout instead of me. Like I'll let him do it. Cause he was a player coach and it's, it's the worst job in the world. So I think he may have thought of it like, you know what, this guy will actually, he's not afraid to call guys out. He's not afraid to be the, you know, I think he wanted something like that in the room to keep guys accountable. And, um, but then we ended up turning out, like we ended up, he recruited like Matska, who was a, who was a stud, um, easily could have been captain. We had some young guys and John Paley, like our, his recruitment that year was like, was unreal. Every low end guy, like every guy that he got on a budget, cause we weren't a big budget team back then. Um, you know, every guy that he got on the lower end of the scale, just fucking killed it. Like Pele scored 50 on minimal wage um Stuart McRae you know like we had all Tyler Michelle we had all these guys these no-name guys and they just showed up yeah and we had three lines that were like that was my line from the day I showed up to the day I left it was Vother Phil Hill you know and all the lines stayed together all year never chopped never changed like really since like probably October the same three lines and we didn't and you know what we didn't get injuries nobody got hurt back (laughs) <laughs> What's, what, yeah that's true nobody did get hurt because they even if they were hurt we didn't tell people because yeah um yeah. that was we, the way it was and now everybody's yeah. like oh man i gotta get a massage or i'm not gonna be able to play tonight <laughs> it was yeah it was like we were talking about that i'm like even our shepherd days like we had those good teams and like we always don't we, we played with like five demons and 10 forwards and like god i had like last year i had like six imports of <laughs> or the year before the pandemic you know you're like Obviously, we had injuries, but yeah, nobody got hurt back then. It didn't seem like anyways. Before we get too far ahead, because I wanted to say something when you said you were the captain with the fuck you attitude and the coach was a player coach, um, that kind of struck a nerve with me because like, I remember when I was going to Cardiff and Lordo had a whole new team and he was like asking people, do you think you're a captain? Do you think you're this? Do you think you're that? Like, and he's trying to figure out what, and I said, I'm not a captain. I said, I'm an assistant captain. I said, I'm going to bring the boys together. I'm going to bring a team together, but I'm not the captain. And you need someone else that's going to step up and yell and shout. And, you know, I'm like, but I'll, I'll be there to support that guy and I'll be there to support the other part, but I'm not a captain. Right. And when you're saying you have that as the captain, but he's a player coach, that's kind of what you need. Right. Like if, if yeah. there were teams where I played on that didn't have that captain, that's a true captain. That's, that's taken over and he's the captain. 
And then all of a sudden, everybody's looking to me to do it. And I'm like, wow, that's not me. Like, that's not what I do. Yeah. Like, we're going to be having fun with me. I need someone else to do that. And I support in that way. Right. And you need yeah. each other to do that. You need like, I think a captain's a guy like you don't need a guy that's going to yell at every fucking player. You know, like, it's not that but you need a guy that you know, is going to care more than the next guy. Like if, if things aren't going well, he's, he's going to wear it more than maybe the, the, the quiet guys. And like, you know, if practice isn't going well, he's a guy who's going to be like, let's go. Let, or, let's or, let's like, go. Right. And like, let's know, do or, this. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, in one-on-one drills, maybe going a little harder against certain guys that if, if they're not pulling their weight and, you know, yeah. like you just, you just know it's not the guy that's going to be your, co-coach he's he's just the guy that you're like hey like if, if we fuck around he's gonna like i'm more worried he's gonna him. bring up real everybody yeah. back i'm more worried about him than i am about the coach you know what i mean like he's and i think that's where and then yeah like i think those are those are the captains that you have the guys who are, are good leaders they're not you know they're good people but at the end of the day they they're gonna hold the whole room accountable when the ship's not going exactly. yeah that, that's their job and i think as a coach if you got a good captain that's half your battle, man. Cause fucking, you think you're going to go in there and yell at them every single day and they're still going to listen to you in four months. Like, <laughs> see so yeah, you're like, your voice is gone. Like same, same, same as with your kids, right? If you're always yelling yeah. at them and you're always telling them what they should be doing, eventually they're just going to be like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just in any walk of life, really. I mean, if you, you know, yeah. Any boss really. Right. Yeah. If you're just directing traffic, the whole but if it's the, if it's the captain and he's out there doing it and he's showing you how to do it, then yeah. you better get in line. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's, that was it. And, and, but you know, it turned out that G did his unreal recruitment job. We had, we brought in Craig Weller uh, and that's when our season really, really took off. Wellesy was like a hybrid of like a player we'd never seen. I mean, this guy was like, he was six foot four. He could fly. He had unreal skill. He was a four. He was like a four. He was just a hybrid. Just, I think he played in the second league in Germany for what bit, didn't he? He, might, he was in Austria. He played in Phoenix. Like, if you ever, if you ever, he, he might have, he didn't play like a ton in the show, but he might have the best YouTube clip ever of like in the NHL. It was like, he like runs over a guy. Then, it, then somebody comes to take a run at him. He just fucking drops him. Then another guy comes and he just drops him. <laughs> like, it was like, I wish that was my NHL highlight. Like it was just like, like three guys just, and Wellesley's just, and he's like the nicest human you've ever met. Like he's, yeah. But he's you like, come at him, he's going to drop you. <laughs> oh, fuck, he was, yeah, he was, he was, he was something. Yeah, he was something. Okay. So I guess we're still in your playing days. We better get out of there. Um, because then you get the job as a player coach out of Cardiff, right? Is that right? You, you guys win, or you guys get the <coughs> Guinness Book of World Records thing, and you're the captain, and then the next year you're player coach. Yeah, so this was kind of it. I think I got a bad rep for Cardiff on this one, but the the owner of Cardiff at the time also bought Sheffield, and they um. I think Cardiff lost. I don't know what happened. There a lot, a lot of money. Or anyways, the next year in Cardiff, there wasn't going to be the team that we just had. Like there was, there was some cuts coming. Their G was start, starting to get pushed out. Um, uh, that's the when season shit, you just have. That's when the shit. Yeah, that's when the shit went bad. Like that's when, if you look back, and then before the um, 
um, Steve King's group took over. Yeah. It, it was like this, right? Like you, right. That, so you were at the top of the mountain and then we were at the top of the mountain and we all knew it was going this way. I mean, we just, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes as far as the, the ownership. And, you know, I knew G was kind of like, kind of, they, they kind of didn't like G. Um, and it, it just, it, I mean, not, then you could follow the next couple of years. So it was like, Oh, okay. And, you know, and I think I would have, been invited back but I think it would have been on a way less salary and it would have been you know what I mean it was just we we, we found out pretty coming and you know what yeah. it and, sucks. And, and, in, and in history we were right like you can look back and see where that thing went before before it got bought up by these guys and, and all the new era of like Lordo and all those guys came right it was kind of like heading down well that's what sucks for me is when I was in uh, Germany that's what happened to me was I saw it coming I saw us going down <laughs> on the on the roller coaster and I decided to stay on the roller coaster instead of get off while I'm on the top I decided mm -hmm. to head down <laughs> and then we never really got back up <laughs> yeah 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 exactly so I actually, I actually signed, I want, I always wanted to do the school program. So Paul Thompson gave me a deal in Coventry and I was like, okay, well, we'll, we'll see. And then the, the, this was going this way. And I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm now 30 or 20. Like I'm not getting any younger. We just had this incredible year. I've been a part of Sheffield already. Like I didn't have a lot of years left in my life. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to take this, this opportunity and get that done. And then I, halfway then I got offered the Sheffield job and I'm like I didn't ask for it and, and you know it was just like hey do you from the old owner and and so you were gonna go to Coventry and do school and, yeah. and that's how you end up in Sheffield yeah and then the coaching thing like I didn't really I always had like an idea about coaching but it wasn't like some that's guys are you like, want to do I just want to coach no no and, and even the first two years looking back man oh, the first year like you don't know what you're doing you think like players think I'd be the best fucking coach until you have to do it. And then to boot, to go to Sheffield and be a player coach, which was just the world's worst job. I mean, it, it, you must have been but, so busy. You must have, it, you must've been busy as a hockey player, but then with all the other side of it, I, it just, it takes a special, like, I think if you're a goalie, you could be a player coach, you know what I mean? Cause like, or, or a stay at home defenseman, but when you're a forward, and when you're, I think when you're a forward and, and like, you're maybe not a guy that would ever play yourself ahead of somebody. You'd I, like, I was like, I would rather just be on the fourth line and let, you know what I mean? And then instead of putting myself out there all the time. So it was like, yeah. it, I, fuck, I hated every second of it. And like, I just, and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know systems. I didn't know fuck, looking back, like <laughs> it takes like five years really, you know, to really get the player out of you. To kind of just you know even then like depends how close to the game you are but yeah it was hard I hated it I got the opportunity then just to become the coach and I'm like yeah I'm done like you bet like this I'm done you know and, and that was it and I got went uh, back then uh, you must have done a good job to get that offer as just the coach then because you were the player coach and then you become just the yeah, coach. I think you, that's a bigger budget right then that's a new <laughs> job that they had a guy that did both now they got to pay two guys yeah, so the year I went there, the guy that owned Cardiff owned, owned um, Sheffield, and we didn't we didn't have a good budget at all. Like we were like we were minimal. We were like seven or eight hundred quid more than what Cardiff were paying, and Cardiff were paying peanuts. Um, and then the next year is the year where Tony Smith took over, who's now the new owner. He kind of came in lightly. He bought out Paul Reagan and 
you know, he, he dipped his toe. So I went through like the, the learning process with new ownership that year, um, which was, which was, which was hard because the, the expectation never left Sheffield, no matter what the budgets are, and, you know, who's owning. And so it was a, it was a real transition time, especially compared to where they are now. Um, and yeah, and we, we had a great brought in a, a really good group and we just, you know, we didn't, we didn't win. So off I went to Glasgow. Yeah. Well, you seems like you did a decent job, but yeah, Glasgow is where we talked about, like you had teams full of dudes that seem like good dudes. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the guys I have on my podcast aren't good dudes. Maybe they're not what hockey needs, but I think they are <laughs> and like Al Levy, Frank, the tank, like the list goes on. You were recruiting good dudes that, <laughs> I think if they come on my podcast, they're a good dude, usually. And um, you were recruiting a lot of guys that were my friends. And that's what made me think, like, I need to have you on the podcast because it seems like we would have got along if we would have played together. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, like, Al Levitt is not exactly a coach's dream by any stretch of the imagination, but hell of a power think, play, though. But yeah, exactly. But I think, like, I think at that stage now I'd been coaching for four or five years. I can't, whatever. Right. And you just learn to deal with these guys. Like it's not one, you know, one, you know, you, you like we talked about it, every guy's different. And like with Levy, I just, I just liked him. It made me laugh, and, you know, and, and, and he was, he was so effective in what he did. And like, he's a fucking unreal player. And for every time that he screwed up, he would make 10 unreal plays. Exactly. And like you said, on the power play, you'd run him if it was a you'd you'd put him on both power play units. You know, if he if he was in good enough shape to play both power play units, he would have been. But he's in better shape now than he was when he played. I think you are too. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, I can tell you that's not true. But yeah, no, we just had a, we had I saw a couple of player photos there that you know I was like, geez, he looks pretty slim and trim these days. I'm not sure when he was a player. Nah, uh, go ahead, go ahead. He hit forty. You just once you don't care anymore. You don't care. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, yeah, we had an awesome like all four years there. We had we had good pieces, but th that middle year, that that second and third year, um, the year that we almost won it, and then the next year where we went to the Champions League, we had some we had some we had some good groups. I'll tell you I'll tell you a good story. So we had that one team where the boys and they would, I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm they would we all live together, which is nice too, right? Like it's nice when everybody lives near each other. It's no good when everybody's spread out because then they can't. You're right. Leave. You're absolutely right. Um, and you always want to do that. But I mean, you know, you're fuck, you're going out getting new housing every year. It's, it's hard enough just to get the boys housed, let alone put them all in the same spot. But when, when it works, it works. And, and that year it worked, all the guys were close and they're right by the rink and there's the weather spoons and whatever, but they'd all like go to like, you know, they'd all meet after games in guys' apartments, right? And they'd be there till God knows what hour and doing their thing. And, you know, and, and all the wives and all the girls. And I think people, like, I'm, I'm kind of like a big believer, like, you got to invite, you got to involve the wives and the girls and the kids of the other guys, because it makes it so much fucking easier for that guy to be there. Like, if it's just the boys, no it, it's short lived for the guy with the wife and, and two kids or a wife and like, but if you can get them all in and all the wives get, to, to get them involved it, and that's what they did. All the wives got along. All the guys got along. There is so much unity off like in the room. Right. 
We had toughness. Like we, and that up. comes in on the ice, right? You get that yeah. going off the ice. It happens on the ice. And we had like, we had like Zach Fitzgerald. We had Frankie. We had like, I mean, we, we just had this like salts, yeah. you know, like you guys, we just were, you guys were tough and you could play. Yeah. I remember the team. Yeah. And then, um, and then the next year, I think is when Levy came, I think I'd have yep. to go back anyways. So I had this group, loved everything. It was, it was such a smooth running year. We, you know, we didn't end up winning anything at the end, but it didn't matter. Like it was, it was such a success and guys did well. And, um, and I brought back a large portion of them. I brought in, I think, Stefan Meyer, I brought in Levitt. Um, I lost salts to, to you guys. Yeah. Um, and I remember where I was when he called me, I remember where I was like, I was so fucking mad, but I couldn't get him in my school. I was so mad at because that's what he wanted the school. He wanted school, and I just and, couldn't do it. Yeah, it sucks and for uh, those teams that can't do it because yeah, it is. Like, it's I a, like I said, it's a leg up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's how they got him. That's how you guys got him. Like you know, to this day, I know he didn't want to go. He would have stayed there. I know he didn't want to go. I would talk to him um, about it while he was there, and he was like, I, "I, you know, he wasn't that thrilled with everything." And then they yeah. do everything they can to get him there, and then he wasn't playing what he wanted to play and where he wanted to play. And when he was with you guys, he was first line and, and yeah. it was more fun. And um, I know, I, I know what, what he like, cause I was his buddy and I'm there trying to help him and trying to, yeah. trying to get him to feel like he likes it. So that, you know, Cardiff can be good because everybody plays hockey better when they are having fun. Yeah. So the next year, and we're, we're talking about trying to replicate what we had and, and fill the gaps and, and you can't do it. Right. Like there's, there's no yeah. secret. To it. You got to get lucky. So we, we still had a really good core and we, we had a few more guys with kids and, and a couple older guys and, and, um, but we didn't have that team that would, you know, hang out all the time. And I always pissed me off. I'm like, fucking guys go 15 different ways on a day off. Like, like what happened to last year? You guys all, and, and you can tell you know, yeah, I was like, I was still close to it. I could see like, we're fuck, we're not, you know, like guys, this guy's doing his thing and this guy, and I didn't like anything of it. And I always got mad at, I'd always get mad at Keither and Keither just had a kid and you know, it's hard, right? And it's like, all right, well, this is fucking bullshit. So I got sick of it. And how it is in, in, um, in Glasgow for the first month, you practice on the road. So you're like, in, you're practicing like in Edinburgh, you're practicing like in Auckland Harvey or whatever. And, um, and we'd always drive and just to give the guys travel money, right? We're just, you know, it just it's fucking miserable for the first month there. <laughs> but I didn't like the way we were going. I didn't think, I think they needed a team night out, but then I didn't even know if fucking I shouldn't organize one. But, you know, but there's just like, I didn't like it. So I was like, fuck it, we're taking a bus. Um, I, I ordered a bus and I just phoned the bus company. I'm like, hey, how much for the for the bus? And uh, to like get, take the guys to Edinburgh and what, when they're like, and then when you get to Edinburgh, I just want you to come home at like nine o'clock at night. Like, I don't, I'm not telling them like, fuck, I don't give a shit. And they can just go fucking blitz it out in Edinburgh. It's a great city. So I didn't tell the guys and then whatever. And then at the end of practice, I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I drove, but I fucked off, went home. And, uh, and I told like either, yeah, the bus isn't coming back till nine. So here's like, I don't know, here's a couple of whatever, 500 quid or whatever, like have fun. And he was like, guys are like, all the wives are losing. And I'm like, if the wives are upset, just have them call me. It's okay. You know, like, you'll be fine. It's part of the job. Yeah. Anyway, so we ended up going on like an eight game winning streak after it, but I was, I got calls from three different bars, like bar owners in, um, in Edinburgh, like the boys just went wild on like a Tuesday afternoon. 
<laughs> but you go on an eight-game winning streak and yeah, it's because yeah. they did that that day and they don't that. want to disappoint you because of what you did for them. I remember the boozy cow, I think it was called in Edinburgh, and I'm never thinking like the boozy cow. And they, I don't know what they did, but like the bar staff was like terrifying. Honestly, it was like, what the fuck happened in there? Like, I'm getting like some pretty alarming emails. You know, I don't know how they worked it all the way back to me, but they figured it out. But yeah. And then we went on a run. And I remember thinking, like, if that was it, because the guys went out, they actually got to know one another away from the fucking, you know, the wives and the kids, and actually away from the rink, to be fair, not the wives and kids, but just away from the rink, you know, you get to know a guy after a couple of years. Like, you can sit next to a guy and never really know him until you kind of, you have you have you have to do that you have to get yeah. to know each other you have to get to know what they're about where they're from or when it's on the ice it's just a different <laughs> yeah. it's a different brotherhood right like there's the guys that get just out of the way of a block shot or there's the guys that will eat it for the team right yeah there's the guys that just can't quite find that lane <laughs> i never really could until yeah. the playoffs the playoffs i could i knew where yeah. it was then yeah, yeah. fucking curved by me again. <laughs> well, that's why the UK league's so tough, right? <laughs> the UK league is. I mean, now you should see guys are blocking shots and laying down in front of me. And it's like the it's intense. It's intense. Like we tell like the new guys here, I'm like, like <clears throat> it's gonna be way better than you think. And it's because we are the lower, like we are the lower end teams. Like there is not one day off. Like there's this, like there's nobody. <laughs> you're just going to walk in show up and play even when i played we had edinburgh you could predominantly just you know do what you you know <clears throat> when i played not when i coached and then um but now man like you roll into like match and you're not ready to go or dundee or fife like you know you know you're driving no. fucking 20 hours to come home for nothing you know it's, oh, it's definitely uh, and you drive you can drive so far and then you end up losing that game and you got to bus the whole way back and there's no beers on the bus there's no cards there's no talking you deserve that because you just lost to a shitty team yeah and especially you guys in cardiff because i mean they fly now but that was a long trip to scotland back then i don't know if you were flying were you flying when you guys played no we were bussers back then <laughs> now they're yeah. flyers yeah yeah now they yeah now they're now they're first class but yeah yeah, I know it's a it's a long trip. I mean, we're lucky that we're you know three four hours kind of is our our max. Well, maybe five. But well, yeah, I do love your rink. Um, I actually love your fans too. There's another story behind that. It was that night I was stuck in the bathroom. Um, I showed up with a Viking outfit to do my pregame speech, and the guy parking the bus, just some random guy in Manchester, had a Viking hat on, and I asked him for it. He gave it to me for my pregame speech and he just says hockey family, man. And he gives it to me. And he says, just return it when you're done. And then I went in, did a pregame speech naked, covered in dirt from Dees uh, with an ax, a sword and a shield. And I also had the Viking hat on too. Right. So then it just was more appropriate. And then I gave him his hat back after the first period. And I thought the Manchester fans were incredible. I thought they're great people. They were very welcoming to I guess the red army you'd call it, but like, and I was part of that that day. So yeah, it seems like you, like you got a good core of fans and passionate yeah. fans that you got in quite the barn. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, I mean, it is, we always say like, it, it is what it is here. Like we, you know, we, we got to learn to love our little rank and, and our fans. And yeah, it's, 
you know, it, it can take some time, but um, that's our speech here. Like, you know, we can't can't dwell on that. We don't have a, a you know, a, a brand new facility. So it is, we got to make the best of it and make it hard to play against, but our fans are, are incredible. Um, you know, we're getting, we're growing every year. We're getting more and more fans every year. And, you know, when the building's packed though, it's so, it's so loud. It's so hard to play. And I mean, we've had some two and a half thousand fans in there, man. Like you can't even coach. You're screaming. Like it's, it's wild. Um, absolutely wild. Like it's, um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And it's very similar to Cardiff. You know? Yeah. And it's just like how it was. And, uh, yeah. no, like I, I, the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast though, was because of, I guess your former players, what they say of you. Um, you know, I had coaches I don't want to call and have on. <laughs> um, I have coaches I do, um, but I, I, I enjoy that there's a guy that gets the game, gets the way it used to be, gets the way it is now, and understands players and what they need. And like, you know what? For a team to come together – sometimes beers need to be involved right yeah i don't think um i don't think we're past there yet it's still that's still that's still a thing i mean every player now it's still a thing there's so much more you know there's so much more information about fitness and health and everybody's doing their thing but at the end of the day you know i guarantee you if you if your team doesn't go out and your team doesn't get out and, and and run the green lights as fast and as hard as they can when a coach gives it to you and enjoy the city like we always tell our guys get out and enjoy the city like i'm a big i mean i'm i'm that coach that always talks about like hey like in the the, uh, the worst you could imagine the worst fucking day possible playing this fucking beautiful game is going to trump the best day you're going to have working nine to five like the worst fucking day possible you're showing up your coach is pissed off you think you're going to get bags get your back check drill you know that when you look back will be you will miss that till the, you know, you'll miss that feeling of when you're done. You'll miss that feeling of, of like, we were over that hurdle. We're onto the net. Like you guys can't like, I, I mean, I got mad at my guys today. Cause I got, they fucked up drills and we didn't have a good weekend and I don't bag skate. I'm not a big believer in bag skating. I just, I never have, I've never, I don't think I've been 11 plus years. I've never fucking bag skated. Yeah. Just we'll, throw, we'll do, we'll, we'll throw in drills and we'll throw in, you know, like you'll, you'll throw, it'll in be some, conditioning, but you can use, yeah, we'll throw in some hidden drills, but today, I mean, there, we didn't have it and fuck the first two drills, the boys aren't dialed in and after like a 40, you know, after a long video session and talking, so I get them on the line and I do a couple sprints and then we go back to the drill. But then I was like, but then it was so quiet, so quiet. And you're like, you call them back in and you're like, fucking quiet about like what are you guys fucking like 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 my four-year-old just got yelled at and put herself in the corner you know like fucking like yeah get like like you're at practice you're getting paid yeah. to be here you know and, snap the fuck a little you're, with a, you're with 25 other like-minded gentlemen yeah and so got, there's not many got, times in your life that you're going to be around 25 hockey dudes when you're done hockey <laughs> yeah exactly. just That's food for thought active players when yeah. it's over, it's over, and you don't just show up and hang out with twenty-five dudes every day. Just an yeah, idea. I said, I said, like for every every fucking second we're here, we're. I mean, we had it taken away for eighteen months. I'm thinking, like, you get yelled at. The coach is yelling at the group in general, not individuals. And then you all just quiet down, like, oh, like, like, like little. And I got so fucking mad. I was more mad that they did that. So yeah. I'm like, like, where's the fucking swagger? You know, like we gotta yeah. get. 
yeah, and then your chest then, out a bit and say, exactly. yeah, we're, and we're snap here. It around yeah, we're and here. Let's a little go louder have some fun. And, you know, call for a little louder, shoot a little harder stuff. You know what I mean? And then boom. And then, and you just find like now guys react to that, right? Guys are like, oh yeah, yeah. And they, they're just like, as soon as they kind of like breathe, then you get the better of them. But it's a different breed now. Like they're just, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of guys are hard on themselves too, I find. You know, back well, they, the, they think it's all so important, right? And yeah, I guess it's, yeah. Every place, I guess it's, every it maybe place. wasn't as fun when they were kids and they, you know, they think it's been serious forever, but um, no, yeah. when you, when you talk about that practice and what it's like, uh, it brought back a memory I've never really talked about. And I'll just say this now was Lordo. Cause when I go over for Wally night and I have no idea why they're doing it for me and it doesn't make any sense. Um, Lordo told me that, he would still tell his team about like me in practice was that when you would do like you get two nets in the corner and it's just a battle drill, right? Like it's just guys battling, but like I would make it fun and I'd be like, let, let's get some animosity in this bitch. And I'd yell at at everybody. And then I'd start laying guys out, right? Like in the middle of a corner. And then all of a sudden everybody's having fun playing hockey again. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah it is and it's just like <laughs> sometimes you got to cut that tension right and just be like hey like we're playing a kid's game here you got to jump know? out of a closet naked every once in a while spray exactly. that's maybe colors. what we needed i think that's what we needed today but anyways yeah so not on yeah. not on practice days buddy that's that's a game day <laughs> the, the psychology now is is yeah is a little different but it, at the end of the day it all goes back to the old school still works you know like i'm still a big believer that you become a team in the bar you know and and that's what kickstarts you and winning brings you closer. But and that's why up. every player I've brought on that played for you raves mm-hmm. about you. And that's not that's not normal. Um, that's why I wanted to have you on. Yeah. <laughs> you seem like a guy I would want to play for. You seem like a guy that brings teams together and understands it kind of the way I look at it. I know not everybody's like us, but um no. honestly. I could see how you were successful as a player and as a coach because of the way you played. And now as you're coaching, I mean, I respect what you're doing, man. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. I, I, yeah. I've been following around. I'm going to follow now for a lot more and I'm going to push some fucking sponsors your way. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I'm open to them. My wife told yeah. me I had one calendar year. She said, if this is still a hobby after a calendar year, you're a fucking idiot. And I said, <laughs> I understand, but I still want to do it, even if it's for free. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think, I think I've gotten myself to the point where I could have sponsors. I mean, Absolutely. there's enough people listening, but um, I just don't like being the guy that calls people and I'm like, Hey, so I'm talking to people on zoom in my shed. Do you want to, yeah sponsor me um i'd rather them come to me so i'm just waiting uh, i'm just holding out man. if I'm not holding. just just go buy a bunch of beer and just be like yeah i got a contra deal on the booze so we're, we're, we're making some headway dear i don't even have to buy the beer this is free uh oh, this I is like the bayfield that. brewing company they're the best beers around and um i just went there i uh, got stocked up so i'm good till i would say post episode 100 <laughs> there you go what do you got now what's this one Solid question. 79. 79. You got 20 more, 21 more. I got to get 21 more in by January 27th to do 100 and 365 days. Wow. 
Yeah, well. It's a lot of work. But good on you. But you know what? It's not work. It's not work when you love it. And I know you know that as a hockey coach and player is work is work when you don't want to do it. When you want to do it, you'll do it. Like I'm going to do it. Sunday morning at 5.30 a.m. and Monday morning at 5.30 a.m., folks, because I love doing this shit, and I'll do it for you folks that are the people that I don't even tell there's an episode out, and there's already been 50 people listen before I take a shit in the morning. Those are the people I'm doing it for. I'm going to do one at Sunday morning and Monday morning, so anyways, I got issues. I know I do. They're healthy issues, though, I think. They are. No, I love it, man. You got a fan for life here. So I appreciate you having me on. No, and uh, thank you. And uh, you're still active. I'd love to see you guys do well. And um, I, I love your it. barn. I love I, I love the fans there. They were great to me when I came to Manchester. And uh, I wish you guys well. And thank you for being one of the good guys in hockey. And that's yeah, why you get to come on. <laughs> that's why I'm here. Yeah, good to get the things. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, man, I, I'd play for you any day. And this has been another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Finner and Wally. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm. And that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough Some people are just like me I hope y'all forgive them I'm like Scott and Tanaco fans I'm like Pete Southtown Zan Zan I'm always speaking my mind When I'm better off by my tongue I'm a bad show at the wrong time Still I'm a legend in my own mind I'm good for some But I'm not